Welcome to the podcast of Follow Baptist Church. Our vision and mission is to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. We hope and pray that you are blessed, challenged and inspired by this message. For more information on Follow Church, you can visit our website at www.followchurch.com.au. Today's Bible reading comes from Genesis. Uh, The first one is chapter 23 and verses 1 and 2. I think there might be Bibles at the end of the the seats. Is that still there? Yeah? Okay, great. If you um, haven't got a Bible, there's some around and you're welcome to take one home. And uh, do yourselves a favour and read it when you do. (laughs) Okay, Genesis 23 verses 1 and 2. Just get my specs on. That might be a bit of a blur. Uh, The death of Sarah. Sarah lived to be 127 years old. She died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan, and Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep over her. And then across to verse 20, uh, chapter 25 and verses 1 to 11, and that's titled The Death of Abraham. Abraham had taken another wife whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shuah. I hope I got those pronunciations right. Forgive me if I didn't. Um, Jokshan was the father of Sheba and Dedan. The descendants of Dedan were the Asherites, the Lechishites, and the Lemites, or Leamites. The sons of Midian were Ephah, Ephur, Hanok, Abidah, and Mr. Page, and Eldar. All these were descendants of Keturah. Abraham left nothing he owned to Isaac. But while he was still living, sorry, Abraham left everything he owned to Isaac. <laughs> but, yeah, Isaac might have been too happy otherwise. Man. <laughs> but while he was still living, he gave gifts to the sons of his concubines and sent them away from his son Isaac to the land of the east. Abraham lived 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years, and he was gathered to his people. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, Machpelah near Mamre in the field of Ephron, son of Zohar the Hittite, the field Abraham had bought from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with his wife Sarah. After Abraham's death, God blessed his son Isaac, who then lived near Beer Lahai Roy. And uh, we know that God will bless that reading to us. Amen. Glad <laughs> I got through it. I'll be time for some new specs, I think. (laughs) Say it how it is. Morning, everyone. Morning. Today we're finishing up part two of our beginning series, working our way through the book of Genesis. And in part two, chapters 12 to 25, we've focused on the life of the central human character, Abram, or Abraham. In today's reading, we read about the death of not only him, but also his wife, Sarah. And so it's the end of an era, really, in salvation history, And a good time to pause our series before we come back and continue it in 12 months or so. For today's message, I'm going to do something very different to what we usually do at Follow. Usually we preach our way through the passage that was just read. But today I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm going to summarize uh, really briefly those passages. Let me do that for you now. Sarah died. Abraham died. And as fun as it would be to preach through on that uh, in a lot more depth, um, today I thought it would be more helpful to actually revisit Abraham's life and to summarise some of the things in his life that will be helpful things for us to learn. 
And really the main focus for me today in this message is that I want to talk about the idea of legacy. Now, if you're an older person here today, um, there's a chance you've thought a little bit about the legacy you might leave with your life. And I think that's a good thing to do, um, to think about legacy. If you're a young person here today, perhaps you've never thought about um, what your legacy might be one day because you're so young and you've got your whole life ahead of you. But I actually think the best time to think about what your legacy might be is when you're a young person. Because many of the things that happen when you're young will actually shape what your legacy will look like. Uh, Things like the decisions you make and the career you choose and the person you marry and the priorities you keep will all be things that will shape profoundly what your legacy will one day look like. And so it's important for us to consider legacy. Abraham was a man, and I think it's become clear throughout the story, he was a man who left a legacy, and I think that's important for us to consider today as well. Alfred Nobel was another man who left a legacy. He lived from 1833 to 1896, and he was a very successful Swedish chemist, engineer, inventor, and armaments manufacturer. He discovered how to stabilise nitroglycerine into a usable and safe explosive that we now call dynamite. Uh, He held 355 different patents and owned scores of companies worldwide. But in 1888, when his brother died, a French newspaper accidentally published the obituary of the wrong Nobel. This is what they wrote. Alfred Nobel, who became rich by finding ways to kill more people than ever before, died yesterday. Now, when he saw that obituary about him, he was obviously quite horrified, uh, first of all, because he was pretty sure that he was still alive (laughs) and they had the wrong brother. And second of all, he was horrified by the legacy that people would remember him by, that he would be remembered as the person who um, invented dynamite and that was about it. And dynamite was used to kill a lot of people. And so when he died, eight years later, in his will, he left the bulk of his fortune, which is estimated to be about 425 million Australian dollars, and he left that to establish five different international awards to recognise excellence in physical and medical science, chemistry, literary work and peace. The best one, of course, we know as the Nobel Peace Prize. And my guess is that many of you this morning, until I mention it, didn't even know that Alfred Nobel invented dynamite, and he's probably turning over in his grave now that I've told you. But the thing about it is this, that he got a second chance at considering and leaving a legacy that he was happy to put his name to. But the truth is that most of us here this morning won't get a second chance. We only get one chance, one shot at this life to leave a legacy that counts for eternity. A few years ago, in a youth group I was attending, the youth group leader got us to do an exercise. And he asked us to write our own epitaph, or to put it another way, he said, I want you to write down what would be on your tombstone. Write your own tombstone. He said, in fact, I want you to do two things. If you were to die today, I want you to write down what you think your tombstone would say, and then I want you to write down what your tombstone, what you want it to say, and then compare the two. It was quite a confronting exercise, but it got me thinking about what sort of legacy I might want to leave. This week I considered that some more, and I thought to myself, when I die, do I want my tombstone to read, Luke had a nice boat? (laughs) Do I want it to say that Luke had a big house, made lots of money, Luke had a successful career, Luke was a good sportsman, as enjoyable as some of those things would be? Is that really what I would want to be remembered for? And so I started to think a little bit deeper this week. 
I didn't want my tombstone to focus more on the fact that I was a good family man, a great husband, a loving dad. Did I want it to say that Luke was a faithful pastor and a loyal friend? Well, I think all those things would be really good things, and I hope in time that I will be remembered for those things. But then I started to think even deeper. And I think for us as Christian men and women, we need to think deeper than all of that. And the question I asked myself was this, what if my legacy was not just earthly, but eternal? I think it's a good question to ask. The question I'll ask you this morning is, what will your legacy be? If you were to die today, it's a horrible thought, but not beyond the realms of possibility. If you were to die today, what would your tombstone read? As we reflect on Abraham's life, through all the ups and downs we've seen throughout his story, we see that he's a man who left a legacy. There's no doubt that some of his legacy was negatively tainted by the decisions he made. Some of his character traits of being dishonest and lying were passed down to his kids and Uh, Even now, we still have conflict in the Middle East, which really originated from Abraham's and Sarah's lack of faith in God. And so some of his conflict, some of his legacy has been kind of negatively affected. But the positive legacy Abraham left, I think, far outweighed the consequences of his mistakes because his legacy actually had eternal implications. In fact, this morning, if you're a Christian here today, If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, if he has forgiven you of your sins, if you have stepped into eternal relationship with the God who created you, you are actually part of Abraham's legacy many generations after his life ended. In other words, the man we've just spent weeks talking about has impacted your life in a way that's so much more profound than you may have ever considered. Who here likes doing music trivia? Okay, there's three people. So I'm going to ask you to stand up. <laughs> We're going to do music. I mean that like it's a literal, literal translation. I'm going to ask you to stand up. Very good. You're a very disobedient bunch of people today. Is anyone going to stand up? Am I speaking in tongues or something? I don't know. Is something lost in translation? or You thought it was just the three people, right? Yeah, okay. Well, you're silly. I was right. We're going to do a musical... Um, finish the lyric of this song. Can we do that? Yeah. Do you know that? You, you, I say a lyric and then you've got to finish the lyric. I want to see if you know this song, okay? For the obedient ones that have stood up. <laughs> All right, here you go. You ready? Father Abraham. And many sons. And many sons. And Father Abraham. I am one of them. And so you. So. Let's all praise the Lord. Father Abraham. Many sons. Many sons. And Father Abraham. I am one of them. So are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right leg, left leg. Nod your head, turn around. Sit down. If this is your first time ever in church, you probably think you've just walked into some sort of weird cult. If you've been in church for for many, many years, I hope you didn't think we're going to get through a whole series on Abraham without going through that song. And so last week, surprise, uh, we finally did it. But I know it's kind of old school worship but it actually says a lot about Abraham's legacy. He was a man that left a legacy and has had a profound impact on you and me. A key part of Abraham's story that we have revisited over and over again through this series was the promises of God in his life. In Genesis chapter 12, soon after we're introduced to this character, God promised him many things, many amazing things, and a key part of that is that he would have many descendants and through him all nations on earth would be blessed. 
when you track Abraham's family line, you'll see uh, down the line that you'll eventually find Jesus. Uh, if you want to do this exercise yourself during the week, you can flick over to Matthew chapter 1 and you'll find the genealogy of Christ. And you'll see in that genealogy that it starts with Abraham. It says, Abraham was the father of Isaac. And then it lists a whole bunch of people right through, and there's some great characters in there. People like Jacob and Josiah and Solomon and King David. And, and amidst all of that, there's a whole bunch of ordinary people like you and me. And then it finishes with this person called Mary, and it says, Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. And so the promises of God, uh, starting in Genesis chapter 12, that were outlaid there, didn't actually ultimately come to pass through Abraham. They only ever became an eternal reality through Christ. In Genesis chapter 17, we read about the eternal nature of these promises, and God uses the word everlasting. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 4, he says, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. Father Abraham. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. And kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. I am one of them and so are you. To be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The promises of God to Abraham were everlasting promises. And we know from today's reading that Abraham wasn't everlasting. So the promises of God outlived Abraham, and part of his legacy is what we are living in today. You and I have come down his line through Abraham and through Christ. And so these promises were only ultimately possible in Christ because as a sinless son of God, only Jesus could be the sacrificial lamb required to die for our sins. Only he could remove that obstacle of sin between us and a holy God and open up the possibility for us to come back into relationship with the God who created us. Only through him could the nations be truly blessed in an eternal way because God himself is eternal. So having said all of that, Abraham still played a significant part because these promises commenced through Abraham's faith. They came to pass because of God's faithfulness. They were made possible through Christ's sacrifice. They are enacted in our lives by faith and will end up with us in eternal relationship with the God who made the promises in the first place. Abraham was a man who left a legacy and today I want you to consider what legacy you will leave. And if you forget everything else today, and I hope you don't because there's two more points in this sermon, but if you forget everything else today, I want you to remember this one thing, that you are a legacy lever. It can be positive or it could be negative, but either way, you will leave a legacy through your life, in your family, and through your faith. And in the same way that Abram's legacy profoundly impacted our lives eternally in a way that we may have never considered, our legacy also in the years to come may impact people's lives eternally more profoundly than we've ever considered as well. And so I want you to consider your legacy this morning in three different areas. The first one, first one is in a faith community such as this. And so if you're from a different church today, I want you to consider it in your faith community. If you're part of Follow, I want you to consider your legacy that you will leave in this faith community. Abraham's life and faith has shaped the people of God throughout the generations in an incredible way as we are now grafted in as a people set apart for the glory of God. 
Now, we may never have the same unique calling as him, but we can certainly have our own unique impact within the people of God. Years ago, I had a guy called Matt in my life, and he was a great disciple for me in my youth and young adult years. He spent a lot of time encouraging, challenging, rebuking, pointing me back to God's word. And I don't think I'd be the person I am today if it wasn't for his unique contribution in my life. Now, Matt was a footballer and he played for St Kilda Football Club. And so you could say that he's made it in life. Um, But if I was writing his tombstone today, I wouldn't even mention his football career. And what I would say is that Matt was a man and is a man that loves God. He's a man that has sown and invested into my life. And he's a man who I think has pleased God in many aspects of his life. Now, I believe by the grace of God since that time that God has also used me to speak into other people's lives. And so what I want you to see today is that the impact of Matt's discipleship in my life wasn't just the immediate fruit. In fact, that wouldn't have been as great as he would have wanted it to be at that time, I don't think, in some ways. But it wasn't just the immediate impact, but it's also been the impact as God's worked in and through my life to impact others. And it will be the same with you in a community such as this. As you impact, as you um, invest into people's lives through discipleship, it won't just be the immediate fruit, although that's really exciting. It'll be the ongoing flow on fruit as God works in and through their lives in the years to come. This is what excites me about discipleship that there's this multiplication that happens as we deliberately invest in the lives of other people. And so if people in your faith community were writing your tombstone, what would they write? Would they write that you were the guy that was good to talk about with footy? Would they say that you were the lady that was good to share coffee with? Or would they say that your impact had much greater eternal ramifications? Would they say of you that you're the person that encouraged them that sowed into their life, that challenged them, that pointed them to God's word, that prayed for them? Were you the person that role-modeled genuine, caring, Christ-centered faith? Were you the person who impacted their ways, their, their life, and shaped their life in really significant ways? I want you to consider first today what your legacy might be in a faith community such as this. The second way I'd love you to consider your legacy is your legacy in the world around you and in your local community. Abraham was used to be a blessing to all nations. He had a worldwide impact, not just in his immediate community, but right throughout the world. Next week, we're going to celebrate two years as a church, and we're going to highlight some of the moments that have made this journey so fantastic so far. And for me, one of the most exciting moments was the moment that we commissioned and sent out um, Neil and Jocelyn Rowcroft from here in Pakenham uh, in the southeast of Melbourne all the way to West Africa in Niger where they are serving God in a hospital in a local community. And it's been so encouraging to hear the stories coming back that they've been able to share the gospel and pray with people, not just in that hospital but in the community that they're now serving in. We also have the privilege of supporting the, um, the Swantons in Belgium in the work they're doing, sharing the gospel with people. And so it's great to see um, what started here in Follow has been able to go out further into different parts of the world. But what's really excited me as well is that we've also been able to have a significant impact in our local community. A few weeks ago, I was tagged in a post on Facebook on the Pakenham Crime page. I don't know why they have a crime page. There's no crime in Pakenham. It's like the promised land, but perhaps it's when the Berwick people come and rob our houses. I'm not sure. Um, But they have a Pakenham crime page. And I was tagged in a post a few weeks ago. And the post started with some guy asking the question, 
what happens at Pakenham Station every Tuesday and Thursday night? Now, by the time I saw this comment, there were about 60 comments that had come from this post, and there were a bunch of people making comments who I'd never met before. But the thing that blowed me away uh, is that every single comment was incredibly positive. Now, we're a church. <laughs> Doing something in our local community, usually the response you get is not positivity. But there were all these positive comments, and there were people that had tagged our, uh, our website, there was people that had linked it to our Facebook page, and there were people talking about all the good work that God is doing in and through people in this church down in a dark and gloomy park in Pakenham. But as I scanned through the comments, there was one comment that particularly stood out to me. It was a young guy who used to come along to the van when we first started um, 12 months ago. At the time, he was coming through a drug addiction. He was living in his car. He had broken up from his fiance. They'd lost custody of their kids. And he started coming along to the van. We started to build a relationship with this young guy. And over the next six months, he came through his drug addiction. We were able to help find him permanent accommodation in Dandenong. He got back with his fiance, and they once again have custody of their kids. And the com comment he wrote that day was this. He said, what these people do is really helpful. They are such a nice group of people. They helped me to get a rental house. They helped me big time. But the last line was the one that really stood out. He said this. He said, I don't think I'd still be here without them. And I thought to myself, what an awesome thing. There's been other people at the food van that have come to know Jesus Christ. They've come through the waters of baptism. They're growing in their faith. They're in a community supported and loved by people. And I think, man, that is so exciting to think that we could leave an eternal legacy in and through this community. And Wayne is excited about that, and I'm excited about that. And so there's two of us, and that's awesome. But God's doing some great things through our breakfast program. So we go in every Tuesday and do pancakes for secondary college kids. And we've just been invited by the principal of the school to now deliberately mentor 20 young guys in that school. Once again, in an era where schools are pushing Christians away as far as they can, we're being invited in to speak into the lives of these kids. It's quite phenomenal what God is doing in our midst. Our starter packs go out every week to new houses in our area, encouraging people and letting them know that there's a community of people here that care about them. Our care packs are meeting needs in people's lives. We've built relationships with local schools and community and businesses and council. Mainly music has been a great community outreach for young families, not to mention the impact of many of you as individuals going out into your family and your workplaces and sharing the gospel and seeing people come to know the Lord Jesus. It's just quite incredible what God is doing in our midst and in this community. And the question I've had bobbling around in my head as I prepared this message was simply this, that if we cease to exist tomorrow, would our community, A, notice that we're gone, and B, would they miss us? And I think by the grace of God, we can already say yes to that question. And I believe that yes will get bigger and bigger as God continues to work in and through our lives to lift Jesus high above this region and to see the gospel proclaimed to people that are far from God, but one day will come to know him through God working in and through our lives. I believe with all my heart that God planted this church in Officer. He's got a desire for his glory to be known. He's got a desire for people to be saved. And I think in the years to come, he's going to blow our minds in the things that he does right throughout this region in the southeast of Melbourne. What a privilege it is to be in relationship with God and to be used by him. And so today I want to encourage you to consider what role you can play in leaving a legacy in this community and beyond.
The third reason, uh, the third place I want you to consider leaving a legacy is in your family. Genesis chapter 18, verse 19, God says of Abraham that I have chosen Abraham so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and what is just. I don't know about you, if you know the statistics coming out of Cadinia Shire and the local Casey Council, but as we look at those statistics, it's pretty clear that domestic abuse, youth suicide and marriage breakdown are pretty much at epidemic proportions. That is the culture that we live in. That is the broken community we find ourselves being put in by God. And for us, that's the atmosphere that we step into every day. And we've got such an opportunity to model to the world around us what it looks like when we honour God in our marriages and in our families. One of the things I pray most regularly for our church is that God would develop strong, God-honouring Ephesians 5 marriages in this place. Kind of marriages where wives would respect their husbands, husbands would lay their lives down in a beautiful relationship of mutual submission. I pray that particularly for the men, much of the brokenness in our society comes from men living out of their brokenness and putting that onto other people. And my prayer is that we would be a group of men here at this church that would step up and present a godly way of living to the world around us. That into the brokenness of our community, we would show wholeness in Christ Jesus. And that that would have a huge impact on the men in our lives. I pray that our wives would love and respect their husbands, that they would uh, love their kids and be great role models to them. I pray that they'd be a great testimony to our community. You know, we often talk about things like same-sex marriage, and I think it's really important that that we have a biblical conviction on things such as same-sex marriage. But we often uh, point to traditional marriage and say, well, this is God's way of doing it, and this is the ideal, and this is what it should be. And yet at the same time, our, our relationships are so busted up and so broken that our argument carries no weight. Because they look at it and they go, if that's the ideal, then why would we bother with that? This is the opportunity we have in our marriages with God's help to honour Jesus in all that we do and present to the community around us what God's ideal can look like. I find that incredibly exciting. I pray that together in this beautiful complementary relationship, I pray that our families would be strong. When the children are taught about Jesus, come to know him, and that like Abraham, as God's people, we would direct our children and our household to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and what is just. Abraham left a legacy within the people of God. He left a legacy in the world around him. He left a legacy through his family. And the question for us today is, what legacy will you leave? There's a couple of things in Abraham's life I think are really important to touch on today. Because if we are going to leave a legacy in and through our lives, these are two characteristics that we need to have with God's help. And the first one is the characteristic of perseverance. Abraham made many mistakes. And you and I have that in common with him. We will make many mistakes as well. We at times will fall short of our own standard, let alone of God's standard. And Abraham at times, I'm sure, would have felt the weight of his past. You know, the second time he gave his wife away to another man, I'm sure he probably thought, why did I do that again? Why did I give my wife away to another man again? I'm sure that he had those times where he doubted where he made mistakes. And I'm sure at times he thought, I can't believe it. I've let people down. I've let God down. But one thing I really admire about this man is that he's a man who persevered to the point where it says in the New Testament, he's a man who lived by faith. Despite everything, he made a decision, I'm going to keep going. 
I'm going to keep pursuing God. I'm going to keep trusting him at his word. I'm going to keep remembering and reminding myself of the promises of God. Abe got knocked down, but he got up again. You're never going to keep Abe down. He got knocked down. You haven't got the karaoke thing yet, have you? He got knocked down. He got up again. You're never going to keep him down. What about you? You'll get knocked down. Life has a habit of doing that. But with God's help, will you get back up again? Will you keep moving forward in the power of the Holy Spirit as a person who perseveres even through the darkest seasons of life? I know some so-called Christians who, in the first crisis, the first tragedy, the difficult circumstance comes and they run for the hills, they walk away from God, and they end up failing to leave an eternal legacy. It's true that there are some seasons in life that are really easy to persevere in. You know those seasons where everything seems to be going right? Those seasons where the, the Word of God's coming alive, you're growing in your faith, you're passionate, enthusiastic, excited, God's answering your prayers, you're encouraged, you're uplifted, you're on a spiritual high. You know those summer seasons where everything's bright and looking up? Well, it's easy to persevere in those times, isn't it? Easy. But there's other seasons when we feel like giving up. We're discouraged. We've made mistakes. We've failed. We pray and it feels like there's a brass ceiling and the prayers just bounce back on our heads. We can't see God. We can't hear God. We can't feel God. And it's difficult in those times to persevere through those winter seasons where things are no longer bright and looking up, but they're dark and gloomy. The question I want to ask today is how do we persevere in those winter seasons? I think when I was rereading Abraham's story this week, there was a passage that jumped off the page at me, and I think it will help us as a key to persevere in the difficult times of life. It was in Genesis chapter 12, as we know, it's probably the most famous passage in Genesis, that, that moment where God gives all these promises to Abraham. It's a time of great excitement, and the bigness of those promises, I think, can easily help us miss over verses 7 and 8. But I want to read those to you today because I think they're significant when it comes to perseverance. Hebrews, uh, sorry, Genesis chapter 12, verse 7, says, The Lord appeared to Abram just after he'd made the promises and he stepped out in faith. And he said, To your offspring I will give this land. So Abraham built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There, what did he do? Once again, he built an altar to the Lord and he called on the name of the Lord. What we're reading about at this stage of the story is a summer season. Everything is going incredibly well. It's a time of great excitement. He's just received these promises. He's heard from God. He's talking to God. He's calling out on his name. And he probably felt full of faith, indestructible. If God's for me, then who could possibly be against me? And in this summer season, he builds this altar as a marker reminding him of God's promise, but it also clearly demonstrated a commitment on his behalf to walk by faith with his God. Now, this is all happening in chapter 12, but two verses later in chapter 10, it all kind of turns around. There's a famine. It says he makes his way into Egypt, and I imagine he makes his way there, and he's still on cloud nine, and he struts into Egypt, but it's not long before he feels completely overwhelmed by the bigness of the city terrified by the power of the Pharaoh. And in his fear for the first time, he hands his wife off to Pharaoh to become his wife. Now, if you remember the story, God's not happy about that. And he gives all these diseases to Pharaoh. Pharaoh starts getting all these weird diseases going on in his life. And he's being punished for taking Sarah as his wife, even though he didn't know 
that Sarah was already married to Abraham. And so you can imagine when Pharaoh finds out what's going on, he's pretty ticked about it. And he calls Abram into his office and he says, come in here, mate. And he says, what is going on? What have you done to me? That you've done this, you've given me your wife and now I'm in all sorts of trouble. And he basically says, here, take your wife back, take all your stuff and get out. Not just out of my office, but get out of Egypt and don't come back. And he takes off. And so we see in his life, he's gone from this summer season, this high living in the promises of God, and he's crashed down into a winter season really quickly. In chapter 13, I think it's a key part because it reminds us how to persevere when we find ourselves in winter. It says, so Abraham left Egypt. He went to the Negev. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came back to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, and where he had first built an altar. There, Abram called on the name of the Lord. What I want you to see is this, that Abraham, in a time of winter, went back to where he had first heard from God. He went back to that place. And if we are going to persevere through the winter seasons in our life and leave a legacy that's eternal, sometimes we need to go back in order to go forward. A few years ago, I read up on squirrels, as you do when you're bored and you've got nothing else to do. Not many squirrels in Pakenham, but there's squirrels in the world and often in the US in cold climates, you'll find many squirrels. And squirrels, you'll probably know, eat acorns. They survive on nuts. And in winter, the problem is that the snow falls and all the nuts on the ground are completely covered up. And so their food source is completely gone. And so squirrels in summer spend all their time scurrying around collecting nuts and they take them and they go high up into trees and they store them up in trees. And so when the winter comes and the snow falls and it covers up the acorn, they go back to the places to find the food they stored in the summer so that they can continue going on with life. And I think it's a great illustration for you and I. Sometimes in life, we need to go back in order to go forward. We need to go back to that journal entry when God spoke to you so clearly. You need to go back to that list of things you wrote down which were once so important. You need to go back to those key verses in Scripture, back to fellowship, back to that sermon, back to those friends, back to prayer, back to the promises of God. And so when you find yourself in a winter season, don't give up, go back so that you can go forward. As you're reminded of the promises of God, He will help you persevere even through the darkest seasons of life. To leave a legacy, we need to be people of perseverance, but we also need to be people of obedience. I'm going to finish with this this morning. Obedience is something that is so critical in the life of every Christian. There were many times in Abraham's life where he had to be obedient. And I want to finish by talking about two examples in his life. Uh, First of all, when he was called by God to, to all these promises, to leave everything he had. And then second, towards the end of his life, when he was called to sacrifice his beloved son. What I see these as... Uh, are really bookends of his spiritual journey. And in between, he made a whole bunch of mistakes, but at the bookends of his spiritual life, you will see that he was a man who showed incredible obedience even in the most difficult circumstances he faced. He was a man who obediently lived by faith. In the first instance, in Genesis chapter 12, as we've discussed today, God made many promises to Abraham. But in order for him to live in those promises, he was required to take an incredible step of obedience. An incredible step of faith. Because God said to him, in order to live in these promises, I want you to leave everything. Absolutely everything that's important to you. I want you to leave your family, your friends, 
your country, your inheritance. Now, I think we skip over verses like that so often. But if God asks you to do those things, leave your country, leave your family, leave your friends, leave your inheritance, can you imagine how difficult a moment like that would be? And to make things worse, God said, I want you to leave all that to go to a land that I will show you. He hadn't seen what it was going to be like. He said, go, take a step of obedience and of faith to a land that I will show you. He said, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. The second instance, God asked Abraham to sacrifice his beloved son. Now, as a father with a son and daughters, I can't imagine anything more crushing than having to give up one of them. And yet Abraham, by faith, in obedience, bound his precious son, carried them to an altar, put him on the altar, lifted the knife, and was about to plunge it into his son. When God called out Abraham, and he was still going ahead, and he said, Abraham again, just as he was about to plunge the knife, God said, don't touch your son. I've provided a ram for you in the bushes. Go and take him and sacrifice him instead. Then he said to Abraham these words. He said, now I know that you fear me, that you are obedient no matter what, because you have not withheld your son, your only son. In that moment, Isaac was the beloved son of Abraham, but he was more than just the son. Isaac was the only hope of the Genesis 12 promise. They had been waiting decades, decades and decades, going through the thick and thin. And finally, this old man and this old woman had conceived a child. God had done the impossible, and all the promises of Genesis chapter 12 hinged on this one boy and this son. And now God says, I want you to lay it all down. I want you to sacrifice everything you've worked for, everything you've waited for. In that moment, Abraham demonstrated obedience because his faith wasn't in his bank account. His faith wasn't in his family or his inheritance. It wasn't in his friends. It wasn't even in his promised son. He was obedient because his faith was in the everlasting promise of an everlasting eternal God who can do all things. I think it's a great challenge for us today to finish. It's a great challenge in a world that is so individualistic where it's all about becoming your own person. In a world where the stuff is so important and people try and tell us that the stuff will make us happy. In a world that's so consumeristic, the challenge for us is to lift our eyes above the things that our society says we need for joy. We need for fulfilment. We need to put our hope for the future in. We need to lift our eyes and be willing to sacrifice obediently when God calls. The promise of God continued on that mountain when God spared Abraham's one and only son. The promise continued because of that. But it continued to years later to where commentators say, many commentators say, on the very same mountain, the promise continued because God sacrificed the son, his one and only son, Jesus, instead. Abraham left a legacy in the world. He left a legacy in the people of God and in his family. As we follow in his footsteps through perseverance and obedience, we too can leave a legacy that counts for eternity. I pray for each of us today that one day when our tombstones are written, that what it says on them will represent, by the grace of God, lives that were wrung out for the glory of God, centered in Christ, leaving a legacy that's eternal. Father Abraham had many sons. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads and we're going to pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for all that you've done in our life, that we can stand here and sit here today saved, redeemed, in relationship with you 
Because a man called Abraham stepped out in obedience and you worked in and through his life, through the person of Jesus, so that we could call on his name, be forgiven and saved. Now that we are saved, Lord, it's not just to have a golden ticket to heaven, but it's to put our faith in you and to live, with you, live for you in every part of our life. You call us to make disciples. And so I pray, Lord God, that we would actively invest in our family, in our community, and in our faith community. Lord, I pray one day that we would leave a legacy that has eternal implications, that if we lose everything else in this life, the one thing we'd hold on to is Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that you challenge our hearts today. We know that we can't do it by ourselves, and so I pray that you continue to transform our hearts, that you'd fill us with with your Holy Spirit, that we can live for you, for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.